Well, my friends, I want to encourage you to take your copy of the scriptures this morning and turn with me to Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. Major transition going on here at verse 21. In verse, chapters 1 and 2, you may recall, Paul spent time talking about the sins of the Gentiles and basically, you know, just the, the, there wasn't much good to say. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God is the condemnation on the Gentile, but also in chapter 2, the Jew as well. So all means all, and that's all all means, in this context anyway. So we all stand guilty before God. And one of the big questions that perhaps you have not asked about such an event is this. How does God make sinners righteous? But how is that possible? I mean, if you go back and read chapter 1 and chapter 2, the picture is terrible. Sin and abundance, selfishness, greed and lust. And are you going to make those people righteous? How is that possible? I know my family thought that. When I came to faith in Christ, my parents said, well, you were the last person we thought would. <laughs> then I go to Bible school. Well, we never saw that coming. And yet God does. How does he do it? Well, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 21, we are going to see just that. This is the chapter, if you are going to listen to any sermon in your whole entire life and take notes about and particularly engage in, this is it. This is it. Because we have this need for righteousness, but how does God do it? How do we get righteous, a status of righteousness before God? Does God close his eyes? No, my friends, far more than that. Well, what Paul tells us here in verses 21 and 22 is that righteousness is a revealed apart from the law. In other words, it's kind of a, a backdoor statement of it didn't come from the law, my friend. You want to know where righteousness is revealed? It's in Jesus. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. See, righteousness is revealed in Christ. And so it is manifested apart from the law. And this is important for the Jews. Remember, this, this argument involves not only Gentiles, but Jews as well. You see, ultimately, it's not all about law, law, law. The law was given to us to reveal sin. The purpose of the law was to read it, look at it like a mirror and say, hey, I'm falling short. This ain't me. I need the mercy of God. That was the purpose of the law. Show our need for God. But you'll notice also, my friends, in verse 22, righteousness is attained through faith. Now, there are people on this planet and through the history of the planet who would tell you, 
Here are the 18 things you must do every day in order to get to heaven. These are the five things that you must have in order to get righteous before God. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. Look at verse 20, 22 here. The righteousness of God through faith. Okay, the, the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That's verse 22. The righteousness of God. You want to be righteous before God? The righteous standing before God? It comes through faith in Jesus. For who? For just the Gentiles? No, for all who believe. And you will note that Paul says, and there is no distinction. It's not just that way for the Gentiles. Oh, the Gentiles got saved differently than the Jews. Wrong. Wrong. Paul's going to prove that in the next chapter. But in this chapter, he makes it clear there is no distinction. Faith is the issue. If you do not put your faith in Jesus Christ... You are not righteous before God, and you will not spend eternity with him. Faith is the issue. It's not a slogan. It's not just the church's passwords. I'm kidding. It is critical, my friends, that we understand this. If you are not trusting in Christ, and hear me when I say this, and Christ alone... You will never be righteous before God. If you say, oh yes, I trust God, but I got these five other things, that ain't trusting God then, is it? Sure, I'm climbing the ladder, but I'm holding a rope. You can't do both, my friends. Trust in Christ and Christ alone. You see, there is no distinction because the need is universal. Look at verse 23. You have maybe memorized this in your youth. For all have sinned. Who has sinned? All. And all is everyone. Okay? We're not talking about Jesus here. We're talking about everyone in this room and on this planet. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, it's the glory of God. It's the outward display of who God is, the standard that he has set. Every one of us has fallen short. We tend not to believe that, friends. Or in our minds, we maybe not won't state it, but we think, you know, but just by this much, right? I mean, because basically I'm a pretty good guy. We didn't just miss it, my friends. And the fact of missing it at all is eternal damnation. Eternal separation from the goodness and kindness and joy of God. No peace, no mercy, no satisfaction, eternal. All have sinned. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, what you have to offer God is nothing. 
the issue is faith. It's not faith plus, well, you know, I volunteered that one summer. Well, you know, I went to church mostly, and they know my name there. That one Sunday I was up here and I played Satan. (laughs) Free pass. It's faith plus nothing, my friends. Anything else is an insult to the sacrifice of Christ. See, righteousness is attained through faith. Now, this word sin we throw around a lot. If I give you $5, if you could tell me what it means, you'd probably struggle. But I'm going to tell you what it means. Sin literally means to miss the mark. It is an archery term. Miss. Here is the standard It doesn't matter where you are on this spectrum, my friends. Your eternity is hell without Christ. It is hell without Christ. Righteousness, on the other hand. Righteousness means to be on the right, the straight route. You will recall through the scriptures, do not turn to the right or to the left. But stay on the straight. You've heard the expression, the straight and narrow. It is a good expression of what righteousness is. God has set a standard for us. He has given us his word, his revelation, recorded and preserved that we might know the way. But how much of a practice is it in your life to go to the right and to the left? I mean, I always go back to the middle, but. We all fall short, every last one of us. This guy up here, that gal back there, every last one of us, all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God. And so, my friends, righteousness is revealed apart from the law, and it is attained through faith, and it is based on Christ's work. We see that here in verses 24 and 25. And it answers the question, how can God declare righteous? Look at verse 24. We'll get a run start on it. How about that? For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift. Justified by his grace as a gift. Now there are some words there that require some definition. The word justified, you know, what it means is the declaration of righteous by God. God declares us righteous. We don't achieve our own righteousness. By faith in Jesus Christ, we are declared righteous. That's justification, my friends. God looks at us and sees the righteousness of Christ in our account. Declared righteous. Do you see how this really has very little to do with you other than the response you're supposed to have? It's based on the work of Christ, 
And we are justified by his grace. So notice God's grace is at work. And what is grace? Unmerited favor. God does something for you that you don't deserve. You've done nothing for which God suddenly owes you. That is grace. What do we deserve, my friends? We deserve hell. That's justice. And what do we get? By faith in Christ, in response to his grace, we get heaven. That's grace, my friends. That is the grace of God and the mercy of God. Mercy means not giving us what we do deserve. Grace is giving us something we don't deserve. So in God's grace, it's based on the death of Christ. Look at here. We're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word redemption usually shows up on coupons. It really just means to pay for something. And what is the payment for our sin? The wages of sin is death. Death is eternal separation from God. But the redemption that is paid by Christ was his death once for all of us. He died in our place. The grace of God is based on the death of Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. As the propitiation by his blood surely needs no explanation. But I had to look it up, so I'm going to tell you what I found. Now, the word means satisfaction. It means satisfied. What is the penalty for sin? It is death. Christ died in our place, and God's wrath was satisfied. Do you want to see God's wrath? Look at the cross. Look at what his son endured. And why did he endure it? For you. Because you look at sin as if it is just a bad habit. You don't, but those people do. My friends, I'm talking about righteousness that is based on Christ's work. It is given to us by grace. It is based on the death of Christ. And it must be received by faith. There it is. Whom God put forward as the propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. How can we be saved? Well, not by our own works, my friends. You can't be good enough. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But in God's marvelous grace, his son died in our place. And what God demands of us is that we put our trust in him. It must be received by faith. Again, in case you think I'm the one saying that, take a look at your Bible. I mean, there it is. Verse 25. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. 
Some significant stuff there, my friends. Righteousness, it's apart from the law. You can't be good enough, my friends. It's attained through faith, and it is based on Christ's work. Nobody will be in heaven. How'd you get here? Well, you know, I used to run a Sunday school department, and uh, nobody in heaven will be talking about what they did. The issue is what Jesus did. He died for our sin and rose from the dead. It's that gospel we keep talking about. It is our hope, my friends, our only hope. Yeah. So why, why do it this way? Why not, you know, if you wear red shirts six days a week, you know, then you can go to, I mean, why, why this? Why did God determine this is the way to make righteous sinners? Well, I'll tell you what, here in verses 27 to 31, he lays out some very good reasons. First and foremost, it highlights God's righteousness. I mean, this is, this is to show God's righteousness because his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins, and it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one, and here it is again, who has faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. So it highlights God's righteousness. You know what else it does? It eliminates the boasting of men. Verse 27, by eliminating the works of men. Then what becomes of our boasting? (laughs) Paul throws out there, it's excluded. By what kind of law? By what kind of works? No, but by the law of faith. Faith, faith, faith alone. It's everywhere. It's not because of what you do, but what he has done. Hmm. It eliminates the works of man. For we hold, verse 28, that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? The frame of this question is to expect this answer. No. Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. And the only acceptable response is faith. Verse 30, since God is the one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. There's no list here, my friends, of the 17 things you must do before Saturday in order to get to heaven. This is the word of God. Shall we argue with it? The word of God, recorded, preserved for us all of these days, says the same thing over and over and over again. Faith. Faith. Now, of course, other books of the Bible tell us what faith looks like and how it shows up in our life. And that's helpful for us to hold it up and say, is that me? Is my faith legit or am I just fooling myself? I grew up going to church, 
I had no choice. It wasn't a righteous decision of mine. It was get in the car or no football. You know, it was that's the way it was. And I sat through the classes, and you know what? I accepted what they said as true. That's not faith. It's not faith. I'm believing something is true. Whoopie-doo. Chocolate pudding is better than vanilla. Who disagrees? You know, you can agree or disagree. It doesn't matter. That's not the issue of faith. Faith is dependence upon. So if, and here it is again, my friends, so we never forget. If... One day, boom, you're gone from this life. You're standing at the pearly gates. This is not what the Bible teaches. But it is a helpful equation for us. And there is St. Peter. And he says, why should I let you in? And if you take out a notebook and start reading off all of the things you've ever done. I helped Johnny find his basketball. I helped Jim with his free throw. I, you know, all of the things that you think make you worthy. My friends, you ain't getting in. It's not a quiz that gets us into heaven, my friends. It is faith in Jesus Christ. I am trusting in Christ. And if that isn't enough, I have nothing else. That's what the Bible teaches. That is what I believe. And I suggest you believe that too. Because this is the word of God. The only acceptable response is faith. Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. And finally, another reason, it upholds the law. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold it. What is the summation of the law? If you take the law and you squeeze it together and you only got one little thing that pulls out, what is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself. Guess what faith looks like? Yeah. So my friends... Hear me as we wrap this up in a sentence. God declares sinners righteous when they respond to his grace by faith and faith alone. Not faith in a list, not faith in a bunch of religious duties. I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone. How about you? How about you? I want to tell you the application of this passage as I understand it is this. We need to learn more about our salvation. We need to know more about this. How do we do it? Read the Bible. Buy a book. Read them together. Learn more about this faith. I mean, that only makes sense, right? I mean, our whole eternity is counting on this stuff. They better know it. Again, not because it's a quiz, but because we want to live well in light of what Christ has done. Second, we need to tell other people, boy, they are locked in some system. Well, you know, I'm counting on my church membership. I taught chat at the school, and I helped some guys, you know, and I, 
I told a girl that she could do it one day, and I'm a really good person. Well, you'll be that really good person in hell for all eternity without Jesus. There is no other way. Tell somebody. Finally, you ought to celebrate it. Shouldn't you? I mean, think about this. This is the greatest world's past that there has ever been in the history of all of everything. You and I are sinners worthy of hell. Absolutely no argument. And God has said, just trust me. I don't have to build a temple with my fingernails or something and clip them and glue them. I mean, I don't have to do... No. What you need to do is trust Christ. Your faith is going to take you places, places you've never been before. But trust him. Trust him. And celebrate it in a song maybe about his amazing grace. Stand up, please. You're going to want to stand up. You don't have to stand up because we don't live by a law here. It's just encouragement. Nobody judging anybody. Let's sing it.